about, amen? You're going to hear about the holiness of God and our holiness unto Him, amen? Now, uh, let me say this as a disclaimer. I do believe that holiness is uh, all about maturity. If you're here for just the first time or you're just walking in, you're starting your walk with God, I do not expect you to be like some of us in this building today. Because as you mature in God, God changes us. Everybody got that, amen? Do you believe that with me today? That as you grow in your walk with God, that you will become different. And God will change us. I believe that God changes us every day. Every day we are changed, amen? And so, one of the reasons I'm tackling this subject and we're going through this is because we've been having some amazing services. God has been doing great things. 30 people getting healed, and I, I, I believe that's just the tip of the iceberg, but as and, and, and our worship has been amazing, God has been doing great things in our church, and God began to deal with me, and God said, do you know why you have this? And I said, yeah, God, you know, we're sacrificing to you, we're focusing to you, and we're, we're, we're growing in you. And he said, it's because you're still holding my insignia. You're still holding the banner and the flag of holiness. And God said, if you will drop that and pay attention to this, you will lose this. I don't want to lose the miracles of God. I don't want to lose the power we feel in this church. I don't want to feel when somebody walks in that door. A young man last week said as soon as he walked through that door, the power of God hit him, and he knew he was in the right place. I'm telling I don't want to lose that. And we are going to dive right into it. I'm not judging anybody. I am not uh, throwing anybody under the carpet today. I am just teaching us what we have we're, what we stand on is because this, what we have is because of what we stand on and what we stand for. Amen. And I'm telling you, in today's culture, the church needs to speak on this subject. In the face of everything that's going on in our schools, in our colleges, and all across our nation, there still needs to be a church that will stand up and say, you know what? I'm separating myself from you. And I'm separating myself unto God. Amen. And uh, you may be seated. I'm sorry. You don't have to remain standing because uh, I got a lot to say before I get into the word of the Lord. Uh, when we talk about holiness and standards and all of that stuff, we are talking about separating from something unto something. Everything I wear, everything I am, everything I do, I do because I am separating from this untoward generation and I'm separating myself unto Christ because this is my life. This is everything I want to be. I want to be a child of God. I, want, I don't want nothing in my life to hinder me from achieving what I need to be to God. And, and, and so we are going to dive into some subjects over the next few weeks. Brother Arnell is going to 
uh, teach on some stuff on Wednesday. Uh, I'll be right back on Sunday, and we're going to nail some more stuff. Why, Pastor? I'm not saying that you're sinning. I'm not saying that you're not holy. I'm not saying that I am speaking to the spiritual world today to let them know that there is an apostolic church in Leesburg, Virginia, that still holds the path of holiness, and we're not going to give up because if we hold this, what we're seeing now, what we're going through now, it is only the beginning of where God wants to take us to. I don't want to focus on the miracles. I don't want to focus on all of that. Why? Because I want to focus for just a few weeks on why we are who we are. We are an apostolic Pentecostal church. Amen? Amen. If you'll turn your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. Uh, I'm not going to be long. I'm not going to be long-winded. I'm not going to belabor the report, the points that I'm going to bring uh, across this pulpit today. But I will start by saying this. Uh, we cringe as a church when we hear somebody's preaching on holiness. We start to tighten up and we start to, we start to cringe on some stuff. Folks, if you love God and you want to be all God, you, we should love this stuff. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a list of judgmental things or anything like that. What it is, is it is us trying to get to where God wants us to be. Amen? Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doeth not yet appear that we should be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is in every man. That hath his hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Revelations 19, 7 through 8. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage, lamb, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath already made herself ready. The church has got to make itself ready for the coming of the Lord. And I believe that coming is soon. I believe we are in the rapture generation. I believe God is going to church to call his church home and we need to make ourselves ready. Verse 8, in to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So today in this Bible study, I'm going to share with you why me and my wife believe in holiness. Why me and my wife believe in holiness. The reasons that we live for God, the reasons that we believe in holiness is a two-component reason. Number one, the reason I live a holy life sub separated from the world and, and, and committed to God is because Number one, I want to please God. I don't want to please you. I don't want to please the church down the road or the church in the next city or the church over here or the church over there. I'm not out to please anybody but one. And his name is Jesus. That's who I want to please. Nothing else matters to me. Why, Brother Arnell? Because he is the one that I'm going to worship around the throne when I get to heaven. He is all about my life. My life is to bring glory to him. 
him. Anything in my life needs to reflect the image of God. Anything that I've got going on. Why? Because I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Anybody in this house want to hear him say that to you today? The reason me and my wife love God and love holiness and believe in holiness is because we want to please God. And number two is one day I plan on seeing him. One day when that rapture calls, I plan on meeting him in the air. I don't want to be left down here over something that isn't no big deal. It isn't nothing that I'm going to miss. is isn't nothing that's not making my life. I want to please him so I can see him. I want to see Jesus, and I've got to be holy in order to do that. We've got to live a holy, separated life unto him because he's who we're pleasing. We are his bride. He's coming back for us. He's coming back for a church that's white, that's pure, that's without wrinkle. That does not mean, hear me. That does not mean that we don't make mistakes. That does not mean that we're all perfect. It does not mean that we're not striving. It does not mean that we're just lost by the way. He's coming back for a church that loves him, that's seeking after him, and that understands that his blood covers the multitude of our sins. Nobody is perfect. And I believe that holiness is a journey. And I believe, just like where's, my, where's little Ava at? I was going to use her as a, an example today. But, but uh, Aiden, he's right over there. He's just this little guy. He's just this little teeny guy. Now when he starts walking, he, before he walks, what's he going to do? He's going to crawl, but before he crawls, what's he going to do? He's going to try to scoot, and then he starts pulling him, he starts crawling, and then he starts pulling himself up. We cannot expect new babes to become like Brother Mark and Tony or myself. We, we cannot expect new people who are just starting their walk with God to be where we are. The, the, and, and, and this is where I think a lot of preachers get off, off base when you start talking about holiness. And it starts coming off as judgmental and it starts coming off. It's not judgmental. It's a relationship with God and it is a journey with God. Listen, Bailey, God's not going to take you any further than you want to go. God, if you strive to be all God wants you to be, God's going to change you every step of the way. But we have the will and we have the power to say, you know what, I'm stopping at this. I'm stopping at this. I, I, I don't want to make that statement that I've got, I've, I've got as far as I can go in holiness unto God because I want to make it. Brother Arnell, if, if, if I get to heaven and there are people that, that aren't as, as, as have the same standards or the same things that I do, bless God. Thank you, God, for them being there. Thank you, God, for them making it. I would rather live my life too holy to assure that I make it than not live holy enough and not make it. Amen? 
I only need one Bible verse. Brother Arnell, I only need one Bible verse that makes me love holiness. And the same thing should be for you. And that is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no men shall see the Lord. That makes me love holiness. That makes me love sacrifice. Why? Because it tells me that if I am not and I don't, then I cannot see him. And as I told you, I have two reasons for loving this message and loving holiness is because I want to please him. But more importantly, I want to see him. Anybody want to see him? Now let me make, I don't want to see him before he wants me to see him. I don't want to. I don't want to see. I don't want to go until he says, "Ray, it's your time to go." I don't want somebody going out here shooting me before my time's up uh, uh, because I'm preaching on holiness. I don't want that. I want to make it to heaven. I want to see him, but in my, but in his time, Amen. This one, this one verse, this one verse makes holiness essential, not optional. You can't, you can't choose. It's not an optional thing. Why? Because I want to see God. And without holiness, we cannot see God. The song, this train is bound for glory. Anybody know that? I was listening to that today. I was listening to the Johnny Cash version. It's a little different than everybody else's. He got a little prologue on there, and he's talking about two guys going out, getting a drink, and, and then wanting to get on the train, and then two drinks led to something else, and they missed the train. Sister Treat, I don't want a drink to keep me from the train. I don't want a drink keeping me from the train. I don't want something of this world that does not please God keeping me off the train bound for glory. The church, the church, the altar is the first train stop to get on the ride to glory. Now you will have every opportunity you want to jump off the train. You will have every opportunity. There's many stops along the way. Your buddy says, hey, man, let's go celebrate. I'm getting married. And they got all this stuff that I ain't even going to mention at that bachelor party. Uh, you have a choice. Either I can walk out the door or I can stay here and partake of this stuff. That is your choice. God is not going to make you leave. He's going to leave that in your choice. That's in your hands. Everybody understand what I'm saying today? The altar repentance, Holy Ghost, baptism in Jesus' name, that's the first stop on this train. And you just got to keep riding it from stop to stop to stop to stop until one day that glory train reaches the final destination, which is in heaven. And I don't want anything, anything that does not please God or bring glory to God in my life to stop me from seeing him when I get there. Amen. The song, the, this train bound for glory, uh, it says, one of the verses says, none going to ride it but the righteous and the holy. You're not going to ride this train if you don't believe it. And the devil has deceived so many of us to think the old paths are outdated. The apostolic ways outdated. It doesn't trans transition to today's society. I got news for you. 
It was before society ever existed. It will be after society's ended. God's ways are his ways, and they change for none. What is holiness? First of all, first of all, holiness is an expression of our love for Jesus. Our love for God. How many of you are married in here? You will do whatever you have to do to keep harmony in the home. Happy wife, happy life. You're learning it, aren't you, Brother Devin? Yes, son, you got a long way to go yet. You ain't even begin to touch it yet. You just wait, son. Ask your dad. Where's you made me lost my lose my point now. We would do anything in our life to make our spouse happy. Because why? We love them. We will do things we don't want to do. My wife says, hey, let's go. I hate shopping. I, shopping is of the devil. I hate shopping. But I love my wife. And if she's pretty persistent that I go with her, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to go with her because I love her and I want my home to be happy. If we love God and God says, I want you to do this, this, and this, even if you don't like it, even if you don't completely understand it, you will be do it because you love God. That's simply what holiness is. Holiness is my expression for God. God, I love you. I want to illumine. I, I want people to see you through me, God. And Lord, I, I don't understand why we're doing why we're doing this and why we're going this way and what this is about. But you know what, God? If you said it, I'm going to do it because I love you. And all of you can attest that sometime in your life you have done something you do not understand and you do not agree with simply because you love the person you're doing it for. Holiness is first and foremost a matter of the heart. That's it right there. Inward holiness before outward holiness. You can't have anything on the outside until it's on the inside. What's that old children's song? God's working on the inside, showing on the outside, something like that. Huh? Oh, what a change in my life. It doesn't start on the outside, young people. It starts on the inside. You've got to have that relationship with God. You've got to love God with every fiber in your heart because it is a heart issue. If my heart is right with God, I will do whatever is necessary to please God. Holiness isn't anything else but first and foremost a heart issue. That's why I said holiness is a journey. Because when you first met your spouse, you didn't, it wasn't instant love at, at that site for most of us. I don't know about Brother Lanza, it might have been. But it, it wasn't first love at that, at that moment. You grew into it. 
And as you, you love God and you understand God and, you know, and you're thankful for what he's doing, but every day you live for God, it gets sweeter. Why does it get sweeter, Brother Miller? Because I fall in love with God more each and every day. I love my, life, my wife more today than I did the day I said I do. Why? Because our relationship has grown. We've become more connected to each other. She is my best friend. She is the one I confide in. You know what? There's only one other thing I love more than my wife, and it ain't you. It is Jesus I love Jesus more than my wife. She could give up. She can turn around. She can back down. She can do all that. But I'm still going to love God. Why? Because my love for God isn't dependent upon her. Her love for God isn't dependent upon me. I love Jesus. Our walk with God should get sweeter each and every day because we're growing in connection. We're growing in relationship. Holiness is a matter of the heart. Holiness is a measurement of our commitment to God. Our commitment to God. It is a depth of how much we truly love him, our commitment to him. God, I don't know if I can do that. Let me tell you something. God wouldn't ask you to do something that you couldn't do. You might not be able to do it in the flesh, but you can do it in the spirit. And with his help, he will lead you, guide you, and direct you all the way. Holiness is a desire to be godly or to be intimate in the very nature, in the, in the very nature and character of God. The most difficult aspects of holiness are inward and outward purity. When I said I do to my wife, everybody else dropped off to the side. Brother Lanza, when you said I do to Sister Larami, you gave up your little black book. You put it away because you said I do. And she is the one. This is what's going to happen. When we make that commitment to God, what we are saying, God, I no longer want the world. I don't want to act like the world. I don't want to talk like the world. I don't want to look like the world. I want to be like you. And that's why you look up to young people. If you're looking for heroes and role models, you don't have to look. For the Dallas Cowboys, Washington Redskins, Wizards, or rock stars, or anything like that. You need to look to the man of God, the lady of God, the elderly in this church. Sister Parkinson, Sister Grimes, the elderly people in this church. The pillars that have built God's kingdom. That's your role model. You should be saying, I want to pray like that. I want to seek God like that. But above that, God, I want to go more. I want to go deeper. My role model is not in this world. My role model is in the church. That's who I'm going to that's who I'm going to take my life after. That's who I'm going to strive to be like. Not now now trust me, I'm sure there are things in my life and even in my ministry that Pastor Bucky's probably saying, "Dude, I ain't never going to do that." Because I did it. 
But there are still things inside me that he can pick, inside of this man that he can pick to make him the better man of God. I've got a little bit of Brother Mark Antony in me. I've got a little bit of Robert Smith, some of Chris Dorsey. But most of my ministry has been developed under Bill Bailey. And Bill Bailey had J.C. Cole, had Billy Cole, had all of that kind of in his DNA. And God, I want all of that. That's my role model. I want to see. But more than just being like them, God, I want to do more than them. And it comes from our relationship with God. Now, I can tell you all day long how much God loves you. And you will know that. But at the end of the day, the question should be is how much do you love God? Are you willing to do what God says to do? Are you willing to live your life separate from this world? Inward holiness and outward purity are the two hardest things to do. Why? Because it requires surrendering. It requires us to surrender our will to God's will. It requires us to surrender what we think is right to what God thinks is right. And outward purity is hard, especially for young people today or new converts today, because the outward association of that in our society is so off the rails. But that's what we're around, and that is what we see. You know, I didn't go to New York with my family when they went uh, over right before 4th of July, but y'all all heard about the body painting stuff, and, 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 you know, you see all that stuff. That's what our society is projecting. And so we, we no child of God will ever go that far. <laughs> Hopefully. No child of God will ever go that far. But we will, we do sometimes look towards the world for our outward appearance. What What's the latest fashion coming out of Paris? What's latest, you know, we want to be up to date. We want to be that. Let me tell you something. It's not worth being up to date in your clothing and, 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 and on your outward appearance if it is going to cost you the ride on the glory train. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Because I want to spend eternity in heaven. I want to spend eternity in heaven. Holiness is the way we respond to God's voice in our life. Holiness is how quickly and how concisely we and how completely we will surrender everything to God. It takes a lifetime, everybody say a lifetime, to achieve spiritual maturity. Nobody has ever reached a level of holiness where God can't take them any further. We will never be all of that because it's a spiritual journey along the way, and it is a lifetime. It is a lifetime commitment to living for Jesus. One a genuine follower of Christ can always is always pursuing holiness without ever fully arriving there. I don't ever, Brother Al, want to get there. You know why? Because usually when we get to a place, we say, 
of men. And we become lackadaisical. We become complacent. We become judgmental. We become all of this. I don't ever want to arrive at that place because that simply means God is always working on me. Be happy where you are right now in your walk with God. Be happy in your revelation of what you know of God's holiness standard right now. But don't stay there. Continue saying, God, pull me towards you. Pull me towards you, God. Change me, Jesus. You see, we should never, ever want to stay where we are. One can become a Christian instantaneously by obeying Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But hear me, hear me today from this pulpit. Knowing God and living a righteous life and developing faith is a gradual process. It is a lifetime journey. It is a lifetime journey. There are no spiritual shortcuts to spiritual maturity. I heard a preacher one time, very anointed. He's out with the pastor. Pastor, they was out doing everything all day, and it was like 4 o'clock. They had a 7 o'clock service, and the preacher, pastor said, hey, I got to get you back to the room so you can pray and you can get ready for tonight. He's like, oh, I don't need any of that. I don't do that. I just step behind the pulpit, and God just flows. That's spiritual immaturity. Because you will never be all you can be for God without prayer, without consecration, without holiness. You see, he's stepping behind that pulpit in his ability as a great orator and being able to just deliver and have things. A couple years later, I was talking to the same pastor. We was talking about that guy, and that guy is no longer in the church. That guy is no longer a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he failed to gradually grow and have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, there's no shortcut. There's no, you can't pray too much. And it, but you can pray 24 hours a day. And if you can, I thank God for that. That's awesome. But it's not going to get you more mature than anybody else. Just because you're in this church for, how long you been here, Sister Grimes? 32 years? 30 years right around. She's been here so long she forgot. But you know what? She is no more mature than Brother Alex here. Or Brother Ryan over there. Might be a little more full of wisdom. Might be a little more open to the things of God and the things of God, but doesn't make her any better than this person or that person. It doesn't give us a right to look down on anybody else that comes in and is different than what we are because we have got to understand it is a casual move of God that moves us forward in our relationship with God. You can't pray too much. You can't fast too much. But you can do all of that, but it doesn't make you any more mature spiritually than anybody else. We're all, Brother Bailey told me one time, 
I, I got mad. I was youth pastor. We had youth meeting. Sister Janine and Sister Windsor didn't want to go to youth meeting. They were doing something else, and I got mad. I yanked the TV thing out. I yanked the VCR. Remember this? I yanked it all out. I was mad. I was like, y'all aren't. If you can't go to youth meeting, you ain't watching nothing, Jack. And I went on and went to youth meeting. It stinks sometimes, the pastor, the, the, the daughter, my wife being the pastor's daughter, because then the next day I got a phone call. Hey, Ray, come on. I want to talk to you. Let's go to breakfast. It's always breakfast. You know, you, this right here, Brother Bailey. Y'all got to thank God. For, but, but a lot of things happen over breakfast. Dad never taught this stuff from this pulpit. He always lived it. He showed it. But he did it one-on-one. -on -one, and he let people know where, where, where God's doing. But he said, Ray, if there's one thing you ever get from me, don't forget this next statement. No two people are on a spiritual level at the same time. No two people are on the same spiritual level at any time. That's why the Bible calls those of you who are married, your spouse, your helpmate. Because you are down, she picks you up. She is down, you pick her up. She is your helpmate. No two people are on the same spiritual level at the same time. So our maturity, we're not all going to be on the same level in our maturity walk with God. So let's make sure that we put the enemy in his place today and understand it doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they're facing. Let God work on them. Get the judgment out of the house of God and put it on your own house. You can post stuff on Facebook all day long about why you don't understand this and you don't understand why somebody says this and somebody does that. And you know what? When people read your Facebook post, they know who you are. That's not godly. That's not lifting up God. We'll get into that speech stuff a little bit later on. But people are watching you. People are looking at you. They're like, man, what's going on? Okay, God, help them. They're having a bad day. Something's going on. God, help them. Folks, there are so many things that go on in the house of God that you have no clue about. And you need to make sure you keep your mind focused on him and allow the man of God to deal with everything else. That's my job. But nobody's on that same level at the same time. There's no shortcuts. It takes time to be holy. It takes time to live righteously. It takes time to be all God wants us to be. And as I said in the first part of this message, we're never going to get absolutely 100% there. Because God is going to change us each and every day. I feel, and I said it Wednesday night, that we should wake up tomorrow different than when we went to bed the night before. I believe that we could be praying, God, take whatever doesn't bring glory, take it out. Whatever's going to stop me from seeing you, take it out. It takes time. And as we grow in God, check this out. As we grow in God, we will grow in holiness. We cannot love God without also loving holiness. Why? Because 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says, 
be ye holy, for I am holy. He is holy. All of his attributes are holy. Anything that belongs to God must be holy. You can read throughout this book all of the Old Testament scriptures, all of the scriptures of the stuff that was in the tabernacles and the, all of that stuff that was used in the tabernacle was separated. Nothing else touched it. Nothing else was used in it. It was used for one purpose and one purpose only. It was for the the, 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 the house of God and the things of God. It, the the, the the communion cup or whatever, it wasn't used during the week to drink wine out of because it was separated unto God. That's what our lives are. Our lives isn't to be out here in the world Monday, Tuesday, and out for God on Wednesday, world Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and back to the house of God on Sunday. We are called to be separate. We are called to be, we were chosen out of it, Sister Tree. We cannot allow the stuff of the world to get in our spirit because we are called out by God. We are reserved for God's purpose. For everything that belongs to God is holy. Is holy. And if we belong to God, then we need to be holy. We love the power of God, don't we? We love it when God sweeps in here and knocks people down and the Holy Ghost falls and miracles happen and, and we're just shouting all over. The, we love the power of God. But God didn't say, I am power. He said, I am holy. In order to have the power, we've got to be holy. In order to be a church where the miracles of God are flowing, we've got to remain to be holy. I come and let the enemy know today that T.O.P. is going to remain a holy, separated church unto the things of God. I am his vessel, not their vessel. I'm trying to see him, not them. I'm trying to illuminate him, not them. I want them to see him through me me because I am dedicated. I have been called out and set aside for a purpose. And if I got to give up some jewelry, I got to give up some makeup, I got to give up some clothes, it's okay. Why? Because one day I'm going to see his face and I'm going to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I am called out. You are called out. We want the power of God. You got to be holy. You got to be holy. The word holy comes from the same root word as holy. It means complete. One cannot be holy if his or her mind, heart, and soul and strength are not given wholly to God. We can't keep anything 
back, Sister Charlotte. We've got to give it all to him. My mind, my heart, my spirit, my clothes, my attitudes, my speech, my walk, my life. God, I, I'm not withholding anything. I want you to have it all, God. I want you to have it all. You see, I lived on the other side of the fence. I lived where I woke up and my bag of clothes were stolen. I lived where drugs were everything in my life. One thing I did when I got the and I know you've heard this a thousand times, is when I got the Holy Ghost and I got refilled with God's Spirit, I told God I am not going to live any less for you than I did for the world. I would walk miles to go to a party. What makes me think I can't walk miles to go to a church service? I would go to a party where rock music was blaring and people were just high and drunk and everything. I would, I would go to those no matter how I felt. What makes me think I don't have to go to church when I got a little headache? If I did it for the world, I can surely do it for God. Why? Because I have given myself holy, holy everything in my being to Him. You know, you hear people say living for God is hard. No, it's not. Living for God is easy when you live for God hard. But living for God easy is living for God hard. When you're just barely giving God everything. And you're questioning everything and you're trying to do your own thing. And you're not listening to God and you're not listening to what God's trying to say. That's when it gets hard. But when you meet God at that altar and you just simply turn everything over in your life to Him. It becomes easy living for God. doesn't matter the waves it doesn't matter the wind. Yes, we'll get knocked down. Yes, we'll get flooded over. Yes, we'll have things go wrong in my life. But at the end of the day, it doesn't affect me because I want to please him and I want to see him. I might be down for a little while, but rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, for I shall arise. Why? Because a long time ago at an Pentecostal altar, I gave myself holy unto God. Matthew 22, 37 through 38, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thine soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. This is the greatest thing, greatest commandment ever is First and foremost in our life, we must love God. We must love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all of our mind. I am head over heels in love with my wife. And I am head over heels in love with Jesus. Why? Because both of them pulled me up out of the miry clay. Supposed to be a joke, but it didn't go well. <laughs> my
My wife, her favorite saying is, I was like, Jesus cleaned me, changed me. She's like, you should have seen yourself before I got a hold of you. She says, me and God both straighten you out, boy. But that's okay because I've given myself wholly to them. Holiness is worship. I'm trying to hurry. Holiness is worship. Psalms 29 verse 2 says, give unto God. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. And what? Worship him in the beauty of holiness. T.O.P., we shouldn't cringe about holiness. We should love holiness. We are people of the name. We have God's stamp on us. We are his children. We shouldn't cringe about it. We should embrace it because there is beauty in holiness. The Old, the Old Testament, the sanctuary was called the beauty of holiness. Now in the New Testament, your body is the temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, you can read it when you get home. This is the highest form of worship that we can give to God, and that is to live for Him. You see, this right here, this is still the platform. I know this is a school, but when we come in here on Sundays, this is the sanctuary of God. It's not used for anything else. It's been separated for a purpose, and that purpose is to allow God's spirit and God's grace and God's mercy to come and dwell amongst us. It's separated. It's not a bar hall. It's not a gossip center. It's not a looky-looky center. It's not like, ooh, what's she wearing today? Or, ooh, what they are doing. Put your tape measures away and focus on God. Put your tape measures away and focus on God. Because first and foremost, we have got to understand we're growing at different rates. We're growing at different speeds. And thank God that they are here. Thank God. I'm glad we don't all look the same. Because that means we are growing. That means we are moving forward in God. You see, but this place has been separated unto a purpose. This platform, it is a platform. It, it's not raised, it's not, but it is for one thing, not the kids to get up here and run around and play on. It's been separated for a purpose, and that is for God's anointing to flow from here to there. You see, we all have to understand that just as this building is separated unto God and this platform is separated unto God for a purpose, you and I are separated unto God for a purpose. One of the worst things I've ever had happen to me in my life was I was at General Conference one year and they were giving away bikes and all of this stuff for the block party that they had and they, they were giving away all of these prizes. I've been taught to reverence this up here. I've been taught this is the holy of holies. This is separated unto God. And I want to tell you if there's ever a time in my life I wanted to let my Holy Ghost do and go down and slap some preachers, it was when they started riding bicycles on the platform at General Conference. And I went as far and I was emailing the guy that was there 
And he said, I was old school. I was stuck in the mud. My bishop was up there. Brother Cunningham was up on the platform. He said, he didn't have a problem with it. I said, I don't care. I'm not Jack Cunningham or Bishop Cunningham. I'm not any of those guys. And I'm not saying that they, I, I don't know what they thought about it. But for me, you disrespected what that thing was set for. That is the altar of God. That is God's holy of I've been taught all my life. Well, brother, you need to come out of that mindset. No, I don't. No, I don't. Because it's separate. It's called unto God. Now listen, listen, folks. The people that fill this pulpit and fill this area up here, I hold them to a higher standard of holy living than I do you. I do. You can ask every one of them. Why? Because they're called out for a purpose. They're up here representing God. I don't want just any old body up here. Because that's what I've been taught, Sister Walters. We have been separate. And when we are ministers, read the Bible, the priests, the Levites, they had different clothing. They were called separate. They were different. When they went into the promised land, they didn't get an inheritance of land. Every other tribe got land and got countries and all of that stuff, but not the men of God. Because they were called separate. God chose them differently. When you're up here, you're different. You're held to a higher standard. Why? Because we are pulling this church into a place in God that we are going to, to continue to see him move in a mighty, mighty way. Holiness is my desire to do his will. And I know I'm taking some time. The essence of true holiness is to conform not to man, not to man's standards, not to what men think, but it is conf to confer, com conform to the nature of, in the will of God. Saying yes to God is determining to say no to things that offend His holiness. You cannot take a cross into a bar. It won't go through the door. You cannot put your Holy Ghost into a place that it should not be. Because God will convict you, and God will prod on you, and God will move you out. And God will let you go your way, but he will remove his presence from you. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I went to a Halloween's coming up. Used to go every year. I took our kids to a haunted, what was a haunted farm, wasn't it, Bucky? Over in Maryland, we went to this farm, and it had to, all this stuff, and which that's all fun and games. Here's where I changed my mind on all of that. One year, I went, me, my wife, and my kids, we went with my brother to a haunted school, and we got into that school. Bailey was so afraid, he stayed outside with my sister-in-law, because he didn't want to go inside. We got inside, you know, they did the normal scary stuff, and then they set you around the bleachers of all, the, all of everything. And then all of a sudden, the center of that auditorium sunk down into the ground, and smoke started coming out. 
And he had this eerie voice. It said, I must have a virgin to live. I must have a virgin to live. And then at the end of that, as that was happening there, down on this side, there was an altar coming up out of it. And uh, this whole time, I'm sitting up there and I'm telling, I'm like, no, that's not true. That's not, that's of the doubt, that, no. And, uh, and, and they were yelling and they, they were like, I got it. You know, the, the, the witch come flying down through the thing and, and, uh, and uh, uh, it's like, Master, I'll, I'll get you a virgin, Master. I'll get you a virgin. We want you to live. And, and then this witch went across the thing and it started just pulling on people. But they found this one girl, this one girl, they grabbed her and she was screaming and all this stuff. And they put her down on the altar. And it, it was just, it was horrible. And the whole time I'm sitting up there, no, God, if you let me get out of here, God, I will never, I will never come in here again, God. And I, I tell you what I felt like. I felt like I allowed the Holy Ghost to be raped that day. Because I put the Holy Ghost, I put the presence of God in a place. And I'm not... I'm not saying this in the, you know, that if anybody's been raped that they deserved it or anything like that. I am not saying that. I'm just telling you how I felt was I put the Holy Ghost in that predicament that day. I put the spirit, bro, that was inside of me in the middle of a satanic worship service. I'm telling you, it was so real. If it wasn't an actual satanic service, somebody who was in charge of that thing dabbled in the satanic. But I felt so ashamed. I told my wife, I said, God, you let me out of here. Get me out of here, God, because, God, I'm sorry. I, I probably repented more that day than that day I got the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I put God's spirit in a place it should have never been. And God began to deal with me, Sister Walters. We do it every single day of our lives. We put God's presence in situations it should never be in because we're mingling so much with the world. We're trying to be so much like them that we're putting God's presence. God, help me conform to be what you want me to be. Saying yes to God. Holiness is love for righteousness. Ezra chapter 9 verse 15 says, Oh God, the Lord of Israel, thou art righteous. To love God is to love righteousness. To live righteously is to live godly. Matthew 5, 6, if you hunger after thirst, thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. Genuine holiness is my desire to be like him. Holiness is my, holiness is my desire first to please him first and foremost and forever. If it pleases God, it doesn't matter who it displeases if it displeases God, it doesn't matter who it pleases. God is saying yes to God is saying no to things that offend His holiness. Holiness is keeping His commandments, John 14, 15 through 21. I'm going to try to move on here a little bit. Jesus repented, repeated the nine of the ten commandments. Listen, they are not suggestions. For if you love me, keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and I will manifest myself in him. Other than remember 
the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Jesus repented the nine Ten Commandments. They aren't suggestions. Those are things we must do. To live holy means bringing my flesh under control of the Spirit. Putting away what I want to do and allowing God's Spirit to work on me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 says, or chapter 7 verse 1 says, Having therefore the promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting what? Holiness in the fear of God. 1 John 3, 3 says, In every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I read this quote the other day. Somebody said, Unholy living follows unholy thinking. What you think is what you will be. I have seen too many churches that drop their holiness standards. And it wasn't long before they started dropping the doctrine of God. I heard a preacher say one time, sin doesn't begin in the bed. Sin begins in the head. Revelations chapter 19 verse 7 says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage lamb of the Sam, for the marriage lamb, for the marriage of the land is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Because we believe in holiness, we live by standards of holiness separation. Now I'm going to hit these real quick today and then we're going to dive into them the rest of the week and over the next few things. 2 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 17 Chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It doesn't matter what pleases everybody else. I want it to please God. I want to be received by God. Verse 8, And will be a father unto you, and, my, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Separate yourself from the fellowship with the world and be assured the world will, or be assured, be assured the world will separate you from the fellowship of God. Now, I am not saying that we can't mingle and we can't have friends and we can't have, we have to. That's how we let our light shine. We've got to have friends that aren't saved. We've got to do those things. But we cannot let them affect us. We are supposed to affect them. What are standards? Isaiah 49 verse 22 says, The Lord God, behold, I lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people. Genesis 62.10 says, Go through and go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up a highway. Gather up stones. Lift up a standard for the people. A standard reference in these verses is a flag, a sign, or a signia. A standard is a flag, a sign, or a signia that was a symbol of one's declaration to a country or to a king to which he belongs. In the New Testament, standards are an outward sign of an inward commitment to God. It is our flag. It is our standard, it is our insignia that I belong to God. I relate to God. He is my king. 
not president, not Congress. I'm not, I'm not staking a flag for them. I'm staking a flag for Jesus. That's who I live for. That's who I identify with. Jesus Christ. And again, a sign there is a declaration that we belong to Jesus Christ. He is our king. Holiness on the inside brings about a change on the outside. If you're not growing in your outward appearance in God, you need to take some time and look at the inward self of man or woman. We've got to look at ourselves because outward shows what's on the inside. Inside connection with God will bring a change on the outside. If the standards we live to choose by mirror the depth of our commitment to God and the holiness, we will have power. We will be anointed. God will do great things with us. But then vice versa, the lack of standards in our lives ind indicate a lack of holiness. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 20, I got to go. Ephesians chapter 4, 24 through 32 says, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, in true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying. Put away lying. Even if you're joking. And I'm, I joke around with Raymond all the time about stuff. I got to put that stuff away. Why? Because in the, in, in, even if you're joking, it's a lie. I was messing with Raymond the other day. Is he in here? No. And he's like, man, the Richkins just signed uh, Attorney Brown. I was like, man, why are you always lying? He's like, Pastor, you do the same thing. I was like, absolutely. And God began to convict me last night. Even though I'm joking, even though I'm just playing around, a lie is a lie. We got to put it away. Every man speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Him that let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor working with his hands. In the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceedeth out of your mouth. But that which is good to use of edifying. And that is that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why should we forgive one another? Because it's an attribute of God's holiness. God forgave us when we were in our worst mistakes and we were in our worst time. We need to give others that same forgiveness. Because let me tell you something, baby. There's going to come a time in your life between now and the rapture, you're going to need that forgiveness from somebody else. Put it all away. Even as God, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. 
when there's true holiness in the heart is manifested in our speech, in our attitude, in our actions, in our reactions, in our dress, in our habits, etc. As our music team will get ready to come. Are standards really biblical? Is it really biblical for what we do? Can I tell you absolutely yes? Absolutely. Anyone who tells you that there are no absolute lines of separation in the Bible, they have not clearly read the Bible and they have not clearly understand the Bible. My wife and I believe that there are clearly definite separate standards in the Bible that we should apply to our lives. One of them is we don't drink alcohol beverages. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, be not drunk with wine. They're right, Sister Tree. Leviticus chapter 10 verse 9, be not drunk with wine or strong drink. Number two, me and my wife believe in a separation of holiness in the dress between a man and a woman. My wife doesn't wear anything that a man wears, and I don't wear anything that a woman would wear. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5, the woman should not wear that which pertaineth unto the man, neither shall a man put a woman's garment, for they are, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Does that sound like a clear directive from God? Does that sound like a clear directive? There's no wavering there. My wife and I don't wear excessive jewelry. My wife wears her hair long. I keep mine short. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 through 15. Doth not even nature teach itself that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. There are four categories of standards, and I'm closing. And we are going to hit all of those over the next few weeks, okay? So I'm not leaving you hanging. I'm leaving you hanging for a little bit today, but we're going to tackle all of those issues over the next few weeks. Standards based on the Word of God. That's the first type of standard that is based on the Word of God, and I just gave you a couple of them. Listen, church, they cannot be changed. They cannot be ignored, and they cannot be modified. It does not matter what society says. It does not matter what our family says. It's the Word of God, and it cannot be changed, and it cannot be ignored. You cannot take that page out of the Bible. Can't do it. Second, standards are based on a personal conviction. They're not changing. If God has given you a conviction about something to do or don't do, don't dare change it. If God has given you a conviction, it is for your protection. Now, I must say that it is your personal conviction. And if it doesn't line up with what, if, if, if God is dealing with you and it's not here and, and it doesn't come for me, you do not push that personal conviction on anybody else because God has put that in your heart to keep you safe, to keep you on the right path to make it to heaven. Third, church or platform standards. I mentioned that in my message a little bit ago. The man of God has scriptural authority to set the standards of separation for those that he is willing to allow lead his congregation to God. 
when I was a boy, pastors preached against smoking. They preached against chewing tobacco. They preached against going to bowling alleys. They preached against everything. They even preached against breathing. Now, years later, we can look back on some of those things. The smoking, the chewing tobacco. People are dying every day of lung cancer, lip cancer, all of that stuff. You see, God knows what he's doing. You might think God's withholding something from you by these biblical standards. He's not withholding, Pastor Bucky. He's protecting. He's not withholding alcohol. He's protecting you from the effects of alcohol. If you will read the Bible, everywhere alcohol is mentioned, everything that happens after that is a negative effect. It's a negative effect. I've been drunk. How do I say this without sounding ignorant? Let's just put it this way. I remember going somewhere, and I don't ever remember how I got to where I woke up. And a lot of things happened in between that I'm not going to say. Because you see, God is saying to us, look at the whole story. I might not be banning it from you, but if you will read everything that happens after that, I'm giving you a sign that it's not any good for you. Folks, God's not keeping you from something. He's bringing you unto something. He's protecting you from some pretty messed up stuff. How many of you know somebody's life who's been wrecked by drunk driving? High driving. A friend of mine used to tell me I drove better high than I did when I was straight. I don't know how true that is because I was high most of the time. But bro, there were so many things that God protected me from. One of the stories I was in, a place I should have never been. I was telling people, I was tell, calling this one guy out, and he, I, I swear he, he could have killed me. I was in total, that was like me being in Chinatown. I was totally in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I was high, I was mad, doing everything. He could have cut me, shut, uh, killed me, put me in a dumpster. And he never did. I just moseyed on, ran my mouth, and just kept on going. Later on, after I got refilled with the Holy Ghost, God sent me back up there, and God said, I want you to go talk to him. And I began to talk to him, and I apologized for the way I acted that day because I wasn't living for God. And I was just, you know, how that goes. And, and I said, but bro, how come you never, you could have done that? You never stepped outside your door. You never responded. He said, because you had 50 people in white with you. He said, I thought y'all were going to come and burn my house down. I said, no, bro. I was the only one there. And he said, nuh-uh. He said, you were surrounded by people in white. Can I tell you something, my friends? If God will do that for me when I wasn't living for him, how much more, sis, will God do it for me now? You see, God was protecting me from something. And so in our lives, we think these rules, these 
do's and don'ts, and I can't do this, and this is outdated. Folks, God is protecting you. Number four, standards of personal opinion. Everybody has one. It doesn't make it right. No one has the authority according to the word of God and according to the man of God to impose your personal opinion on somebody else. Folks who argue with separation from the world and biblical standards are outdated in standing in response to the vein of thought I've asked you today. I want to ask you this question. Is loving God outdated? If you come across somebody or you're sitting here today thinking that the standards of the apostolic church are outdated, it's not for today's society, it's not for today's time, can I ask you this question? Is loving God outdated? Because these aren't man's standards, these are God's standards. And if God wrote them, Sister Brooks, they're still good for today. If loving God isn't outdated, then the things of God isn't outdated. Is commitment and dedication to God outdated? Has the meaning of holiness changed? Romans 6.22 says, But now, being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, the end everlasting life. It is ludicrous for anybody to say that they believe in God and they love God, but they do not believe in holiness. It's ridiculous and they are sadly mistaken because you cannot love God if you do not love holiness because without holiness no man can see God. I know this isn't a shouting sermon, and I know I probably am not going to get a great response to this altar today. But the altar's open. They're going to sing. And we're going to lift our hands all across this congregation. And we're going to say, God, help us embrace your holiness. God, help us embrace your stance. God, can I ask you this question? Is abortion still wrong? Or is it outdated? Is a belief that Jesus Christ is one, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one. It was Jesus manifested in the flesh. It was God manifested in the flesh. Is that outdated? Is loving God outdated? Is my commitment to my God outdated? I just want to ask you this. Is the commitment you made to your wife outdated? Folks, we live in a day and a time when the enemy's tearing down everything that is holy and everything that is righteous. And I come to tell him today that there's a church. I might be the only one here tomorrow. Or next week, I might be the only one here, but I am not giving up my holiness standards. I am not giving up my holiness thoughts. I am not giving up my belief in one God to appease anybody in this world.
Why? Because it's a biblical truth. It's a biblical truth. So can we just ask God to help us? Help us stand in the face of the enemy today. Help us to stand on his word in the face of everything that's going on in our world and our society. Help us stand on the truth. Young people, don't worry about being different. God has called you to be different. God has chosen you.